Horizon CIO podcast. This week, we feature a recording of Simon Lamkin, CIO of Brussels Airlines, talking recently to CIO peers at a Horizon Live roundtable dinner debate. Our dinner debates offer a unique chance to meet fellow CIOs and CTOs to network and debate key issues. The events are moderated by editor Mark Chillingworth and feature a keynote presentation by a leading CIO. Next events are 15th of May, delivering change securely, with a keynote by Brigadier Alan Hill, formerly the CIO of the British Army, now CDIO of the University of Exeter, and then the 12th of June, Digital Factories Delivering Transformation, with a keynote announced closer to the time. If you would like to attend these events or any future Horizon Live events, contact Mark Tillingworth via our website, horizonbusinessinnovation.com, or via LinkedIn or Twitter. Thank you. Thank you all, everyone. Uh, good to see you. Um, excited to be here to talk a little bit more about what we've been doing at Brussels. I think before I start, one of the things that um, I've been reflecting on um, with regards to technology, being an IT geek, um, my 18th birthday, I had an array of legacy Sinclair products in, in my back catalogue, and I had my, my wonderful Amstrad PC that I was... I was really denoting and, and driving forward. And I asked my parents for a state-of-the-art technology device, and that device was the dot matrix printer. <laughs> Amazing piece of kit which revolutionized my A-level studies because I could now produce my own kit on my own horrible printed paper and submit it to, to, to be marked, probably why I only got a C in computer science. When I reflect on that and I look, roll forward 30 years, um, and, I, and I welcome you all to do the same on your travels um, and become an, an, an airport geek like myself. Wander around the airport, walk up to that departure gate, and there at that departure gate will be the wonderful dot matrix printer. And if you sit there and watch closely and you listen closely, you'll be 10 minutes ready to boarding and you'll hear that <coughs> as the dot matrix printer turns away this massive sheet of paper to tell, tell the crew and the flight deck who's on, who's on board the, the aircraft. I would have brought one with me today to demonstrate, but GDPR prevents me from disclosing, <laughs> just disclosing such elements. I think it's a, it's a, real, it's a real sign that in, in this day and age, certainly in the, in the aviation space, technology such as that that is moving, and I've talked to a number of you tonight about um, the speed of change in the aviation industry, you know, we're in this age of digital transformation where on one hand we're driving e-commerce, we've got web platforms, we've got mobile systems that are all driving and pushing our technology. From an airline point of view, we're, we're potentially a little schizophrenic. On one hand, we're an e-commerce company. On the other, we're a regulated travel company where we have, to, we have to follow rules, we have to follow procedures, we have to account for all the passengers of the bags and make sure the passport data is there and present and correct. So it's very much on, on two sides that we have to look at. And it's ironic, probably, in the, in the dawn of you know, the fourth industrial revolution of, of artificial intelligence and intelligence internet of things, that actually the aviation industry, uh, despite being this glamorous travel organization, is really still grappling with the, the third industrial revolution of computing and really moving that forward. And I think that's where we, we are, are really grappling, and, and we have been, and, and Mark alluded to with EasyJet, where we really tried to push the boundary 
and really try to push what was going on and try and be a dis disruptor in that space. And I think what I've tried to do in my time at Brussels Airlines is try and take forward some of that same thinking in driving what we're doing as a very, very different airline to what, what we were like at EasyJet. And so, you know, and, and actually I was, I was at an event last week and um, Mark Holt from Trainline raised a, a, a really interesting uh, point about the need for cultural transformation ahead of any digital transformation in an organisation to change your thinking before making any digital change. But he then went on to say that actually by going through that digital transformation you actually go through another wave of cultural transformation as people can really adopt that change and it really struck a note with me because I think once you've created that digital change you enable your people to go out and do much more and come up with new ideas and new ways of working. And it got me to thinking a little bit more about what we have done uh, with our flight deck. We have replaced um, all of the paper now inside the flight deck with, what's with, with a computer that's got the glamorous name of an electronic flight bag, which replaced, oddly, a, an old brown bag that used to contain all the, all the flight records that was kept on for that flight. But that electronic flight bag was there to, it contains electronic charts, it contains all the, all, the, all the safety manuals, all the information about their journey, it contains their flight plan. And it create, it's also got the technology that creates all the characteristics, the weight of the aircraft, the fuel on board, that enables the pilot to work at the correct speed for, for takeoff, etc. We've really pushed the boundary of that and we're now leaders within the Lufthansa group with what we've done with our EFB technology and we've removed all paper from the aircraft. And that's a game changer because we've suddenly, we, we, can, we can now think about different ways of working. So the crew don't necessarily have to come and report and meet in a crew room and print out a big flight plan and, and meet and find out what's going on. We can digitize that process and that's an opportunity to us. So there's potential benefits in saving with crew space with reporting, changing the way that we run our operation, potentially, if, if it came to it, changing, changing crew contracts. And that's because of the technology that's been there to enable that. And I think that's really um, something that we've really seen dramatically change. And the leader of that within Brussels Airlines now is not one of my team, a project manager, but is actually one of our active pilots. And he's taken on board the ownership of that product and, and has become our, our product owner, in, in, in essence, and driving, driving that development forward. And I think that's really seen how the digital transformation has changed the culture of the organisation in how we operate and how we work. And it's, it's, it's quite exciting to, to sit and watch how that has, has happened. I think clearly consumerisation, um, and we've touched on that in the conversations again this evening, is a massive change. We talk very much about, you know, digital. We, there was a conversation earlier about, you know, what is digital? You know, and I think all, all, too many organisations focus their thinking very much on, on just the consumer facing. And I think it's, it's about how the workforce can come together. But I think the, the thing that I find really exciting is how the consumer has actually changed our way of thinking as well. You know, especially in the aviation space, if we all go back probably 10, 15 years, we all did what the airline told us to do. And we all went through the airport the way the airport told us to. Now we've all got smartphones in our pocket. We've all got access to, to, to Google. We've all got access to flight stats. We've all got um, access to inline, you know, maps of the airport so we can navigate. And I think that consumerization 
has taken some of the control away from, from the airline and, and potentially some of the way from the airport. I've, I've been going to airline conferences for, for some time now and the, 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 the debate where, which irritates the hell out of me is when airlines end up and says, you know, I own the customer journey. I've got this and the airport will stand up and say, well, actually, I own the customer journey. And they're both absolute rubbish. It's the customer that owns the customer journey. I'm traveling because I know why I'm going. And don't you as an airline tell me what I have to do because I might want to go through retail and yes, most airports are now going to drop you through that retail experience, but I also know I'm on business and you know, as a, as a frequent flyer, I, I get up at 4.20 on a Monday morning to get my 6.50 flight. <laughs> I just need to get through that airport as fast as damn possible as I can to, to maximise my sleeping time the night before. Um, and I think that's really important that the customer takes... Is, is taking responsibility of that. And I think the, the thing as, as airlines and, and, and as key players in the, in the digital space in, in, in aviation is creating that single version of the truth. Because I think the, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of you know, having many different ways to access the data. You know, I, I think it would be very arrogant of me to say you have to use my app to, to fly with our airline. That only works if I can check on my app, I can check on Google, I can go into the airport and they all say your flight is going to leave at 6.55 because they've all got that same information. And all too often today you see two or three different variants. One's 20 minutes late, one's 10 minutes early and, and you, you, you as a consumer then gets, it's a stressful experience anyway but the stress increases if you don't know whether you've got 10 minutes or 20 minutes to get to your aircraft. And I think that's, a, that's something that is, is critical, that single version of truth. And it's, it's that data thing. Who owns the data? How can we aggregate that data? And how can we really bring that together to create a seamless travel experience? And I think that's one of the, the big challenges of any air transport operator is how can you manage that process? I think it's then coming down to the digitization and, and how that comes comes about you know i think as I, as i said apps are prolific almost all of our passengers have now got apps and we touched a little bit earlier um during, during some of the conversation about the change that is happening seven or eight years ago we all had a, a boarding pass a few years later we then got a sheet of a board that we printed out from home and now we've all got electronic boarding passes that we can drive and, and, and move around it and i think that that whole process is then being used to drive through the airport. And I think it, it, it's how we can add more to that. And I think there's still more to come. I think um, one of the areas that is becoming really prolific in that space is biometric. As coming back to the regulated travel organ, um, operator, we have to be absolutely sure that the person on that boarding pass, that ID document and the face in front of me all match so that we, could, we can combine to the regulation. So how can we use that? And if, if is biometrics a way of driving that. Can I use the biometric on my Apple phone to actually drive that process? Can I enrol in a scheme using my Apple phone? How can that be then trusted and crossed to uh, the border agency at the other end of the journey? And there, there's some of the challenges I think are really coming to bear that I think we will start looking at and we really need to start driving forward on it um, as a transportation company. Um, you know, we fly, if you look at a, a, a a long-haul 330 aircraft, we're going to have 250 passengers on board that. Do we treat them all exactly the same? Do we segment them into the cabin of a business passenger and, a, and an economy passenger? Or can we actually be a little bit more specific 
and know that the business passenger there is a frequent traveller that travels six times a month, has got this loyalty points and has driven that piece. And I think that's something where we are really starting to drive the process. And it's a clumsy process if you're driving that personalisation by reading your long sheet of paper that's come out of your dot matrix printer and standing in front of people reading it and saying, oh, yes, yes, miss, you're, you're in seat 4A because digitalization can help drive that. And I think that's one of the things where we're really starting to drive and push forward on. So I think as, as for consumerization, it's really driving and changing, massive change in our industry, um, which is quite exciting. When you start looking at an airport, it's a massive ecosystem of different players and different partners that have to come together. So, you know, we have ground handlers, we have fuelers, we have um, tug drivers, you've got the check-in agents, you've got boarding um, agents, you've got security, you've got immigration, you've got all of these different players that all have to play their part in the scheme of things. And I think when it comes to creating a technical platform that enables all that to happen, it becomes really complex because you're reliant on third-party IT organisations that can put the kit in the right place, that has got access to my system that enables me to do my role at that explicit point in time including is there enough stock of the printers all aligned, wonders of barcodes and bag tags. If there's a misaligned um, pin on a printer, then your bag probably won't be coming with you to, the, to your destination. <laughs> it's probably going to be heading off in, in, in elsewhere in, in, in the journey. So I think that's one of the things where we're really looking at how we can work with standards and, and where standards are coming to play. IATA are doing a lot of work where we're trying to bring together those common standards and there's a lot of there's a lot of change that's going into into systems enable third parties to interact and, and exchange data but even that comes with its own problems you know and there's, there's one of my favorites which drives me slightly crazy which is the um, as an airline we try and differentiate ourselves and and have different products and services and different fare pricing to, to accommodate the changes of these these low-cost carriers that are disrupting disrupting our business. One of those is the simple fare class code. And you've all probably heard about Y class tickets, C class tickets, and seeing those codes on your on your tickets and people talking about them. And it's a constant sort of source of frustration to our pricing and revenue management team. We don't have enough fare classes to create the innovation that they want to do in the pricing. And the reason being we're all reliant on reservation systems, on global distribution systems that all have one alpha character to differentiate those fare classes. So there are very few airlines around the globe that have more than 26 fare classes that match the letters of the alphabet. And it's, you know, it's your classic year 2K problem. <laughs> if we were to just introduce another character in that, which would be a global change that would probably take 10 years. There will be many more variations in fare classes around the globe. And I think it's a, it's a good example where standards, where global systems, where old technology comes to meet new digital marketplaces um, and driving up how that all hangs together. So when it comes back to that airport and all those partners, we've spent a lot of time thinking about how can we, how can we improve that process? How can we make that process simpler? And we've really looked at how workplace mobility, you know, the simple smartphone can help drive that productivity, reduce cost, reduce complexity, make everything more accessible. We created some interesting uh, technology that enables 
and, and it, it, it enables change to happen very quickly, but also takes away a lot of the barriers. There's a, there's a, very, there's a very different process in place when you're sat behind a desk. We've all seen the, you know, the, the comedy computer says no when you're sat behind a desk reading it. But if you've got a mobile device and you can stand in front of someone and you can help them, and if they drop something, you can bend over and pick it up, it's a very different experience. You can quickly see whether someone has bought two bags or three bags, and you can manage that process. And I think that's where we've really introduced some mobile technology, where we can share data, where we've got instant access to information, instant access to the reservation system, and we can really drive and push change. And one of the things we're really looking at now is how we can bring in that array of partners within the airport to improve the turnaround so that we can, we can set expectations that that fueling should be in by 10.25, that the, the catering truck needs to leave by 10.30. And if those events don't happen, then the, 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 your departure time is leaving. How can we become more intelligent in that space? How can we then communicate that to the airport, to the, to the, um, the local air authority, that can make that whole process work. So the more we look at that, the more we have the opportunity to try and create that ecosystem and try and create a smooth channel through that. We've all been to throw we've all been to a gap, we've all been to a, possibly not to a Brussels, but you've all seen the, com the complexity that happens in a complex airspace with all those aircraft intermingling. One of the exciting things about creating change within the space is you also find the opportunity to do something different that you hadn't originally set out to do. In Belgium, they have a very big, a monstrous dance festival called Tomorrowland. I'd never heard of it until two years ago. I went to it last year and it was frightening. But um, um, I, 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 I did dance because everyone else was dancing around me and I, I, I didn't want to stop. But the thing that was we created, we, we have this, you've got this large contingent um, of festival goers, a lot of them are going to be coming back to the airport. They're all going to be bringing bags. We're going to create an influx of bags at the same time. So we ended up creating a remote bag drop facility at the festival. A couple of trucks, the same mobile technology. We were taking bags off of the, off the festival goers. They were happy because they were losing their bags and not having to lug them to the airport. We were happy because we were taking those bags out of the supply chain of when they got there. They had their mobile boarding passes. They could get straight through the airport. And it was just a simple, quick, disruptive change that we were able to make. And that took probably two or three weeks planning ahead of the festival to create that change and made a massive impact by taking thousands of bags over two weekends to really improve the flow at the airport and improve, improve the procedure. And I think that's something that was, that was really influential and helped our thinking further about how we can extend that technology going into 2018. When I think... Um, a little further afield, one of the core parts of the network of Brussels Airlines is our African stations. We're very big in Western Central Africa. So spent a lot of time looking at the problems of my colleagues turning an aircraft around uh, in Senegal, in Kinshasa, in Freetown, um, in Rwanda. And they all have their own different <coughs> problems. Um, we all take for granted being in Europe the, the access to ele electricity and the internet. Mm -hmm. We take it for granted. We now expect it in our seat when we're on an aircraft. We expect mm -hmm. to be able to put our phones in and be internet access. These things aren't always 24-7 available in, in some of these stations. And I witnessed it myself um, six weeks ago. Uh, did a short trip out to Senegal and the Gambia. And 
to witness the change that we'd put in place over the last nine months in those stations to see how their operation worked um, because the power does go off you know in in the check-in of the aircraft that we were checking in um, in the Gambia the power went off in a two-hour period probably five or six times across the whole airport and we all know from having systems, you take the power off for a minute and you, you're, you're pretty much in trouble and, and you're, you're waiting for 10 minutes for it to reboot and bring back and restore the database. You can't do that in the middle of a check-in operation. So I've talked for many, many years jokingly, um, whilst at EasyJet, about having an airport in a box. Mm -hmm. And we've gone and created one. We've created this big packing case with a laptop with USB peripherals to keep the power down, um, a UPS, a 4G router connected to that, connected to the same UPS, um, and irrespective of what's going on with the the local uh, the local telco, which you know sometimes we're getting speeds of up to 256k, <laughs> um, the power when we've we've resolved that, and in most cases by moving to a small DIY firewalled 4G router, we've had up to six months uptime on that. Um, we've improved the process, we've improved, we've actually improved the speed because we, you know, we have, we, it's a pain because I have to do local contracts in, in each of the markets. But it's really been a massive game changer in, that, in, in those African countries. It's something, if I were to talk to any of you to go back to your IT teams tomorrow and say, wow, we've got 4G and there's a UPS that protects the power. It's just stuff that we all take for granted. But for those two or three hours a day in those stations when we're checking an aircraft, it's fundamentally different. And it also means that you know, it's that on-time performance that we're expecting and driving. And I think that's really, really pushing the boundaries. So I think the thinking about you know the next generation and I touched on it briefly earlier you know that the, the fourth industrial revolution is, is very much here we have the, the internet of things we have you know and, and I think airports have been really trying to push push that um, air, airlines have been trying to sort of carry on and work with that and work in the same ecosystem but I think there's still there's still a massive amount of change that can happen with that, that air transport model and I think one of the areas that I am quite excited about where I really think there is a, a use case um, that touches on a little bit of what I talked about earlier you know is that trust we, we, by crossing borders there is that trust protocol that needs to happen is this really Simon Lamkin can he go through does he have a visa to go into the country in which he's traveling how can we validate that and share that data um, we have to share a huge amount of passport information to different government agencies around the globe. How can we do that in a more trustworthy way? And I keep questioning myself, is blockchain the, the, the answer to that? Could that enable that trust relationship to happen? I don't think it's anything that we can drive that discussion. We can certainly initiate it. I think it's going to enable government agencies to help, help drive that. But I, th I really see that helping to really drive and change the, the, the trust relationship that would push the air transport forward. And I suppose just sort of rounding off, um, and, and it, was, it, it was quite interesting last week, people reflecting and talking upon the role of the CIO. And I, and I think it is changing dramatically, and I think it's probably changing on a weekly basis. I, I think we as CIOs now are becoming business leaders. We are there to transform and change organisations, to bring 
change into the organisation, to make things happen, to enable change to, to work. And I think the seat at the board table is there to, to be the glue. Um, what was the analogy we had earlier? I think it was the, 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 the toad in the hole. Oh, no. <laughs> the toad in the hole. <laughs> we, we won't get onto the debate of the type of sausage toad in a hole but I think it's but I think it's it's an interest it's an interesting analogy and I think it's I think it's a it's a good model that we as IT leaders really have to think about how we can drive the change agenda I was at my my, my daughter's school this morning talking about how we can help really drive and bring technology to the next generation to the children, how we can improve the diversity angle and we can get more girls coming into technology and help drive it. And I think the, you know, again, we had a conversation earlier talking about, you know, the business studies degree of 10, 15 years ago, uh, where you're learning business and can go into any autonomous business technology degrees could actually be the next version of that and I think that's our opportunity and that's where we need to sell into our kids and to our schools and our curriculum where we can really drive change and, and, and push the boundaries. Thank you for letting me speak. I'm hopeful that I won't be here in 30 years time talking about the, the autonomous aircraft um, but if I am here I hopefully I'll be talking about the death of the dot matrix printer. Thank you very much. Thank you.